Welcome to the latest episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name is Rian Gladman and I manage the Behavioural Insights Programme here at the LGA. And we really want to demystify behaviour change and share those practical examples of what councils are doing to use this approach to improve local public services. So in today's episode, we'll be sharing the work that the London Borough of Newham have been doing to use behavioural insights to help residents in debt. And it's great to have Katie Brunger from London Borough of Newham with us today. Katie, how are you? Yeah, great. Thanks very much. Nice to see you this morning. Good stuff. Thanks for for your time today. Really appreciate it and sharing the learning that you've had at Newham with, with the rest of local government. So first things first, can you introduce yourself and the role that you play at the council, please? Yes, absolutely. Um, So my name is Katie Bunger. I work at the London Borough of Newham and um, my role is I'm a service design and insight manager. Um, So I work in the kind of corporate transformation team, uh, wider team that do absolutely all sorts. Um, My role, I get involved in all sorts of weird and wonderful projects, but mainly around um, improving, helping services to improve um, what we do for not only for the council's good, but obviously for residents as well. Excellent stuff. So yeah, you can see how behavioural insights really fits into that change agenda and is, is I guess, a, a recent tool really in that that change armoury, isn't it, for the council? Yes, the service design has only really been around um, in our council for a few years. Um, and it's something we are developing and trying to embed within not only the way we work, but the way the council works. So focusing on the user's experience or our residents' experience, really getting to understand and to kind of discover what is happening before we start thinking about what we do about it and solutions. Um, and really, you know, understanding the evidence, whether that's um, qualitative, quantitative, anecdotal, to kind of build a case for making decisions. And also trialing things is a very important part of service design, developing things, testing things, iterating what we do to make sure that, um, you know, w- what we get at the end does work for us and for residents. Um and we've always got a keen focus on making things as easy as possible um, and always thinking about it from the resident's point of view. So it's it's a way of working and there's lots of tools and techniques of doing it, but it's something we are trying to embed within all, all, all council areas so that um, it's kind of a business as usual activity. Um, because in the end, that's, you know, we're, we're here to serve the residents and um, we want to make it as, um, uh, you know, smooth experience as possible and, and that we can be as helpful as possible. Yeah, that, that's so vital, the work that you're doing there within the council. So so what was the behavioural challenge that you set out to, to try and address through this project? Yeah, so we, um, we Newham is a, um, an area where um, uh, debt is a p- particular issue. Um, we did some work a few years ago within our team to understand what uh, the situation was. And um, the, one of the challenges that we were finding was that um, people, um, 
um, struggle with sometimes paying their debts um, and that may be for lots of different reasons so it's not necessarily um, always to do with having the money to pay um, it may also be to do with um, their situation that they're in and the, the, the behaviour we wanted to be able to focus on was encouraging people to kind of deal with and manage any money issues and financial issues early on because we were finding that debt when, when people get into debt it's quite hard to pull yourself out of it because as you go through a process you know the debt increases you may also incur fees and charges um, and then it gets more difficult to manage debt we were also finding that people who were coming to our debt and money advice service that we run as a council um, you know were in high levels of debt and um, had multiple debts so they weren't seeking help and advice until later on in the process when it was coming to kind of crisis stage and actually there's a lot of uh, evidence out there to say the earlier you can get support help you know contact the council so we can work with you and, and find a solution to that, um, the better it is not only for residents um, in the longer term, short and longer term, but also in, for the council as well in terms of supporting residents to do that, but also ensure that we are um, bringing in the necessary funds that we, you know, we have a duty to do, but also to help run our services. So I guess to summarise really the behavioural challenge there was to encourage local residents at risk or debt or, with, or in debt to engage with the council earlier in the, jet, the debt journey rather than further downstream. Yeah. So that's so, their summary. Yeah. So we were finding that there were people were doing it too late in that journey and we wanted to encourage them much earlier on in that journey as early as possible to, to seek contact, support, help. Um, so that things don't um, don't don't necessarily kind of spiral out of control or get worse, which can have wider impacts on people's well-being and life and um, other costs to um, uh, society in general. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. There's that obviously that point, as you said, around bringing the money in to run the, the services that's required. But there's that point around the outcomes for residents. And as a council, the role, important role you have to play there. Could you say say more about that, please? Yeah, so we did some, when we looked at um, the kind of impacts on people, um, you know, we, we, we know that about one in four of Newham's adult population are in, um, are in over-indebted. So it's, it's a lot of people that, that this applies to. So it's not small numbers. And um, through some calculations we did on some work um, a few years ago, you know, we, it came out that so the social costs in Newham could be as high as 180 million pounds. Um, and that might be, you know, um, relationship breakdown, evictions, children in care, um, job, pro job productivity loss, um, you know, educational achievements. Um, changes and health impact on health and things like that so it's not just always about the debt itself it's the impact on people's lives and the wider um, wider cost to kind of them and their family. So in order to sort of dig under what was driving that behaviour in local residents in terms of not engaging earlier upstream engaging much later in the process 
Um, what did you do to sort of gather the insights into what was driving that behaviour? Yeah, so um, we did a couple of things. Um, obviously, speaking to people within the council who who often um, you know have a relationship with residents and deal with their um, their areas quite often. So understanding kind of anecdotal evidence from them about what that is. We also um, work very closely with the annual money, which is the debt and money advice service, to, because obviously they deal with um, and manage pe uh, people's sort of difficult um, difficulties that they're having and try to support them in those um, to find out what what their thoughts were. And then we also actually did um, quite a few interviews with a number of people who um, were happy to talk to us on a one to one basis about what they felt some of the um, issues were. And obviously, um, um, there are things like life changes, big life changes that impact on people's ability to pay. You know, there might be employment changes, benefit uh, changes, separation, divorce, things like that. Mental health issues or illness generally can be difficult. Um, you know, understanding money and managing it and how to best manage it. Um, and sort of financial literacy about what it's all about and what to do in those areas. Um, being able to get access to um, advice services and help. Um, and um, in Newham, there may also be some language barriers. Not, um, not everybody has English as their first language, may need to rely on other people to support them in that. Um, and people, you know, people disengage from it because it's too big an issue. And there's a, there is a, a you know, a stigma attached to um, debt generally and coming forward and, and asking for help um, is quite a difficult thing to do. And even if people have, you know, come into debt when it's no no fault of their own, um, the people we spoke to, the the residents also were saying that they they don't want to talk to other people about their debt. Um, they don't want other people to know about it. Although family and friends are supportive, they can't necessarily give them the sort of professional advice that that, that maybe they need. Um, and also, they were saying that they weren't really aware exactly where to get the help, um, who to get the help from, um, so that they were prepared if they if this became an issue in the future. So. Um, you know, it's about being proactive and, and supporting people who who may go into debt um, before that even happens so that they know where to go, what to do um, and where to get support for these things. Um, they also mentioned things like financial management skills, um, sometimes the communication that, that they receive on what debt they have is difficult to understand. Um, you know, might not be empathetic enough for them to engage with it. There may be, um, it's not plain English, so it's clear and, and uh, um, clear what, what to do with that information, what to do next. Um, and people did say, you know, it, it does have a big impact emotionally and it's stressful. And particularly if they have a vulnerability that can exacerbate the issue for them. Um, and, and all of those things can result in people ignoring debt problems, not opening letters, not engaging early enough um, in the process so that they can kind of get the support and help early on to, to stop that snowballing. Is it 
I mean, we've seen this with our some of our trials in in health screening, for example. Is there a bit of almost like head in the sand? I'd rather not know type behaviour going on here. Is is that fair? Yes, I think I believe so. So that that is what the residents we spoke to did say happened. Um, you know, there was a lot going on in their lives, and this was just an added pressure um, that they did that you know you don't want to cope with because there's a lot of other more immediate things you wanted to deal need to deal with um but also the you know the staff who work in the council were saying that when they speak to people that is that is an issue as well that they um they find it difficult to talk about and get that support um and it's easier to ignore it it's easier to ignore letters um than than and open them and and then having to deal with what that means and having to take some action some positive action which can be quite difficult for lots of different reasons that we've outlined yeah so there's a lot of complex factors there driving the behavior um was, was there any sort of findings from that, that insight gathering that surprised you or colleagues in the council um i think what what made us think in particular was that the point around the finding the communication difficult to understand so there are specific bits of information that as a council we kind of have to include in letters um, there's um, a sort of standard information that needs to be in them and you know these are the letters that we've sent out all the time that seems to work with most people you know what's the difficulty but actually you know it brought it to the fore more that actually our communication doesn't work for everybody um and being simple and clear and um precise in what what people need um need to do it can impact on behaviour and that's why looking at a behavioural insight trial to support that and test that was something we were really keen to do um, and also the understanding that obviously not everybody responds in the same way depending on what their situation is and actually we need to take that more into account. Yeah so you've gathered all of these insights a lot of complexity there is around what what's you know, driving people or not driving people to engage earlier upstream in those those debt services with the council. So what were the next steps? Um, so even before the um, we applied um, to to do a behavioural insight trial, we also did some further work and we did kind of a deep dive, very intense look at this piece of work over a couple of weeks. Um, and really dig even deeper into that and get a lot of people involved across the council. So it was kind of gaining broader understanding and get more people engaged in this topic and, you know, enthused to do something about it um, and, and to sort of share the knowledge of what we had learned from that investigation work. Um, um, and obviously it was when COVID hit as well, which exacerbated the issue for um, uh, people. We also did quite a lot of work on um, when we restarted um, debt collection about trying to do that in a very supportive way, focusing on people with multiple debts as we knew that was an issue and just trying to be really clear with residents about what was owed and what they could do about it and trying to, you know, um, 
encourage people to start getting used to pain again because once you're out of the habit that can be quite difficult um, to get back into so even before once we looked at those issues we did further work in terms of broadening the scope getting more people to understand and also um, contacting residents to help them with that um, also Newham you know, we found also that Newham is particularly vulnerable. So not only are many people in um, debt um, or, or have financial issues, but Newham itself has quite a lot of the risk factors for that. There's a lot of renters in the borough higher than London, um, lots of larger families, particularly very uh, a lot of larger families compared to England, um, some single parents, people with low income that are less than the London living wage um, and sort of the age population. So often people sort of 25 to 35, 40 are those who um, can have some of the debt issues, not always, but the largest um, population of ours were in those age brackets so it was a particular risk factor for our borough and so it was really important to keep that conversation going from what we'd looked at to um, you know looking at it in more detail and then thinking about right now we've kind of got the we've discovered and done the understanding part of it now what now what can we do to do something about this what can we as a council um, focus on to you know, improve what we're doing, make it more efficient, but also support our residents um, um, on this journey. So just when you, you mentioned there that you you widened it out in terms of the, you know, to involve more people in this project. Yeah. What types of services were you engaging with that maybe you hadn't before? Or could you say a bit more about that? please? Yeah, absolutely. So we um, initially worked with council tax and housing rents. Um, but also uh, we looked at parking as well. People have parking debts often that accumulate and are part yeah. of that. And as, as a council who runs that service, that's important. Um, there's the Our New Money service, which I've mentioned. But also we did talk to our um, children's services and looked at kind of demand that was coming into them. Um, people, children in, who were taken into care and the costs of that and the... Um, sort of well-being aspects of the difficulties that that can cause. We also worked with our housing services, particularly temporary accommodation, you know, looking at numbers of people who um, were ending up in temporary accommodation due to arrears in, um, um, not, you know, not paying their, not able to pay their housing rent. So, um, uh, and we were sort of starting to investigate other services where that might have an impact as well. Um, talking to our call centre colleagues to understand that. Also working with our um, enforcement services who were previously kind of called bailiffs um, mm. and understanding, you know, what does happen at the, at, the, at the very top level when you're trying to recover debt and what impact is that having and what support are they giving? Um, and we do have a lot of kind of classed as ethical um, enforcement actions so it's you know we are still a debt recovery um, agents but also doing that in a way that um, you know is is known for being uh, 
you know, careful and considerate and supportive people at, at the same time and trying to support them through that process. So, yeah, the, the net kind of was 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 wider. We didn't just look at council tax and housing, which are the main areas where obviously we receive money from people and um, we use that money, obviously part of that money to support um, service delivery more generally. Was there a public health angle to this as well or that might be something for your for the next steps of the project just thinking around local economic inactivity particularly off the back of covid long covid is there a link there to be made yeah we did we we, we have actually sort of made some of that links and looked into some of that so particularly um the social prescribing that takes place within the borough that's partly um council and partly health authority um combined and how it's how it's um, provided we actually did a bit of work with the people who manage those areas to understand well how does the refer how do the referral routes work and do they work efficiently and um, well so that if people need support they it might not be you know in intense work with someone it might just be support that's not necessarily related to debt it might be something else that actually a social prescriber could help them with um, so we actually did a piece of work on that um, a good few months ago and that piece of work has actually broadened out in its scope and has been taken off in different directions about looking about how do we do social prescribing in the borough so yeah the kind of health link is there um, and making sure you know our new money can refer to them and vice versa, so that they are aware of um, that they the annual money exists and other money and debts support advice services that aren't run by the council. Because obviously people need to have choice about where they go to. Some people may not feel comfortable going to a council-owned service, even though it provides independent advice. So. So you've got again all of these insights, you're understanding more what's driving the behaviour, starting to involve different services from the, across the council, really widening in out this outcomes based approach, isn't it? Um, and, and across the council. And so how did you come to the behavioural insights intervention that you then trialled? Yeah, so we um, we felt that it was really important to focus on the early part of it because that's what lots of people were telling us and that the evidence was kind of pushing us in that direction. Um, so what we wanted to do was think about what are what are some of the interventions we could do at that point. Um, now we spent quite a bit of time scoping what was possible um, for council tax and housing. We decided to focus on those two first. Um, and then we can obviously widen the scope later on based on how that worked. Um, so it was about um, in, to be able to run a trial, we had to understand the process of escalation of debt across those two different areas. And that they are quite different in their escalation routes and also in their approach to um, looking at that area. Council tax is quite linear and straight. It's quite sort of one, next one, next one. It's quite a quick process. Um, and you only get kind of one or two reminders and then you're at summons and then, it, you know, you're adding costs and time on and, and it all gets very difficult from there. Um, 
housing, um, the it does have an escalation route. It can be a little bit more. Um, there are uh, reminders, um, but then obviously we have housing officers who get involved and try and have lots more conversations with people because you know people don't want to lose their housing. Once you lose housing, then it becomes very very difficult. So we will support people as much as possible um, for that not to take place. Um, and they have different yeah, ways of um, interacting with people. So they, they do text messages already with some of their people. They do send more letters. They have more conversations with people. Um, there's, there's different interventions routes. We can slow um, proceedings down. We, um, if people set up payment arrangements, making sure they're affordable, things like that. So we not only had two different processes um, to look at, but the timescales for those processes were quite different and the relationships we have are quite different. Um, so we but we wanted to look at both because we thought, you know, you can't rob Peter to pay Paul if people pay their council tax and might not have enough money to pay their housing. And actually, it needs to be a conversation across both. That's a really um, important point, Katie. Sorry, just to say, yeah, that point of unintended consequences, if you'd focused on one service, yeah, the detrimental impact, as you say, to the other one. Yeah, yeah. that's so you decided you're going to focus on the two. Um, yeah, I just wanted to pull that point out. It's a really, yeah, really important no, it's, one for other councils listening in. And it was interesting, actually, in the discovery stage, because some people said, oh, I pay whoever shouts the loudest. Not everybody said that, but some people were saying, you know, if my electricity bill uh, hounding me, I'll pay them first rather than my council tax. Now we, you know, we as a council don't want to hound people and do do that. But on the other hand, there is there is that point about who do you pay first and who do you prioritise and are they prioritising the kind of debts that are uh, most immediate and the debt and money advice services can help people you know, understand which ones are the most immediate ones and which ones you can kind of discuss payment arrangements and things like that with or other support types of um, help and advice about what to do on that. So, yeah, it was important to kind of do both. Um, and we also had to have kind of enough people in our trials who um, to be able to make the results statistically significant. Um, there's more people um, in the council tax area who were going to be looking at that housing. So it was, again, choosing points within those processes that worked and also that we would have enough numbers to be able to run a trial successfully. Um, and so there was two points that we um, eventually settled on that we wanted to work with. Um, the first one was a early intervention but using um, SMS, so text messages to people. So as people just fall into debt, that might be they haven't paid their council tax bill or they've missed some payment, a payment on their housing rent and they're in arrears. It, you know, that is a good point before they then get a summons um, that they get a text message reminder just saying, you know, this is what, um, this is council, this is, who you are, this is what you owe, this is how to um, what we'd like you to do um, and what support you can help um, get help with. 
So we trialed um, that. We had a control group because it was a randomized control um, trial. We had a text message. The first one was slightly more um, focused on payment. So it was asking people to um, uh, you know, click a link and make a payment or go online, make a payment. And if they needed help, um, let us know or get in contact with us. The second one was um, uh, slightly more supportive in its approach, I would say, but also the second SMS, we included a web form in it and we asked people if they were having trouble paying that they um, fill out the details um, and kind of let us know what the particular issues are as to why they may not may not be paying. And we spent quite a lot of time with our new money and others working out what those reasons may be, so they could tick boxes, but also um, what sort of support they should get if they tick those boxes. And that included, we wrote scripts for every single one, so that if they ticked, it was a, you know, difficult with benefits or something like that, we would then send them information back over text about what to do on that, who to contact, where they could get support with that. And if we felt that they'd, um, there was a few areas they were um, having difficulty with, we would ask if it was okay to refer them to our new money so that they could get direct support. Um, the text messages in themselves also, um, um, you know, encourage people to um, do something immediately. So within the next 24 hours, the, sec the second text message um, sort of said, you know, if you can't make it in the next 24 hours, please tell us your circumstances so that we can um, support you in that. The text messages, we looked at designing them so the language was simple. We included their names. We included some of their account um, numbers, a small amount of them so that they knew it was correct, that the, the message was genuine. Um, and it was just a, a sort of, we, we even include this is a friendly reminder, you know, it's not threatening language. We just, some people will have genuinely forgotten what to pay, that they needed to pay and we'll do something about it. And other people um, might use it as a way to think, oh, I need to, um, change what I'm doing or, or, or make an action, contact the council, um, things like that. So in terms of us having to manage that, we had to th also think about call numbers that may come into us, because if we're encouraging people to contact us, ideally we'd, we'd like them to just pay if they can. Um, but obviously part of this is to get people to make that contact because I think once they've made that contact it's easier to have those conversations so we had to think about managing call numbers and how we would do that over the weeks as the messages went out um, we had had some experience in COVID and letters had gone out and call numbers had gone up and we'd learned some lessons from that um, the other issue for us was you know having up-to-date phone numbers because obviously we don't always have those on our accounts um, and that is something we probably need to look at in future as well. And fraud, text message fraud had gone up, was always an issue, but had obviously gone up in COVID times. So that may be a bit of a barrier to people doing that. We had to make sure the language was clear um, and yeah, understandable. So, so that first intervention 
was for those who were just tipping into um, debt. And we felt that that may have been an issue. They'd had a few weeks to pay from a reminder letter. They hadn't. So this was a sort of a prompt before things became a bit more serious and they got a, a summons um, letter, which then adds costs onto them. As well as, as you say, the, the outcome and the impact on them um, as residents and individuals. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Um, so in terms of the, you know, allocating people to the control group or the, you know, yeah. the, the treatment group, how did you go about doing that? So um, that was, um, it was randomised. So we, we ensured that we had a, a big enough sample coming into us. So we estimated based on previous numbers. And then those people were, um, uh, I've forgotten the official word that we use, but it's um, where you randomise people and make sure that people aren't um, the similar kind of people or payment levels are in each group so that it is randomised and um, you're not going to skew any results that come out of the other side. So that's working with people, you know, officers within the service to get access to that data of, you know, with the people who, as you say, are about to tip in, you know, that few weeks of yes. debt, isn't it? It's a very succinct group. It is, yeah. And we did have to sort of interrogate our data a little bit and make sure we could pull it out at each week, um, check it, send it out. It did. It was a little bit of a manual process that. So we did have a company that would that do text messages for us, but some of their some of what they could do was limited. So we did have to manually, you know, send things out to be sent out on email and things like that. It wasn't an automated process. And that's something that in future we're already looking at taking forward, getting new technology that can do that for us. Um, because if this is going to become business as usual, it's really important that they, um, you know, we it, it, it's it's easy to do when we don't cause difficulties by doing this and it's done well. Um, yeah, so that, we, that, well, that was our first trial. Um, and then the second trial was um, people who were, we classed as kind of mid-level arrears. So they've kind of passed um, some of the stages and actually their debt was building up or they hadn't paid for a reasonable amount of time. And um, we wanted to trial a letter at that point. Um, people were used to getting letters as well from us, so it wouldn't be um, unusual. Um, and again, we had a control group, we had a payment, a, a letter that was more focused on payment, but still had behavioral insight in, um, insight focus on it. So it was personalized, simplified language. We had it kind of had boxes with clear actions for people to do, um, uh, to try and you know engage them with it. Um, and then our second letter was a, a um, still a letter from the council, but included a lot more branding from our newer money and about what they could, uh, why they should contact them, how they can get support, why they could get support. Still saying this is what you owe and this is how to pay. But actually, the, the, the majority of focus of that letter was about, um, you know, the messenger effect is the person who is giving that message. Um, supporting people to um, make make that contact and some simple steps for residents to be able to do that and how they can get that support. So 
so we trialed those as well um, and looked at people who, uh, you know, what, what the differences were between each of those groups. But essentially it was two different letters at the midpoint arrears so that again, before it gets any higher and more difficult for people to make sure that they are given kind of another chance to either pay or make those uh, get support from us or relevant people. And it's bringing, as you say, from that, if we go back to the insights gathering, that clear point around clarity of language and sim simple language and clear call to action and, and looking at all of these letters through that lens and that feedback um, to, to probably produce a different letter than maybe you would have before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we spent quite a bit of time designing the letters, making obviously making sure it included all the information we had to include as a council, um, which is really important. Um, but also that, yes, as you say, it was very clear, very simple, um, uh, direct call to action of what people needed to do, um, you know, focusing on um, asking people to kind of respond and engage with things by putting that in key information, including their um, their details so they know it's genuine. Um, yeah, and, you know, even our payment letter on the back, still uh, on the front, sorry, at the bottom, still included, you know, if you are having difficulties, um, what to do about that. We didn't want to lose that message, so it was still important. It was just less prominent in those to test test what works and what, what um, what, what can be, um, what can have the biggest impact really. So I guess what you're testing with these trials is is changing that, that point of communication, earlier communication with residents before it becomes a bigger problem, trying a different, you know, the text message and a letter, trying those different forms and also trialling that more direct call to action with supportive tone and yeah. links to support, clearly communicated it was all of those things you were you were sort of trialing through this process. Yeah, exactly. And we were because it was a trial, we were quite conscious about sending this out to people. So we were very careful about who we included and who we didn't. So, for example, those on council tax who had council tax reductions and um, residents we um, were aware were vulnerable, they they told us, you know, we didn't include them in this trial. Um, actually. You know, actually, some of those people may be the people who need the support the most. We don't know, but I think because it was this the first trial, we wanted to test the effect first. If it works, then if we can roll it out more widely, it might have a greater impact um, on those on on people who who yeah may be most benefited by it. It's that yeah, test, iterate, test, iterate, keep going. Yeah, but to start something and and start that process so how did you measure this is a question we always get asked is around the data and and how would you know it was successful or not like how are you going to measure both of those trials yeah so um a few things really or um i mean the first most obvious one i suppose is is payment level so not only did did the um treatment impact on a was a payment made um, when the payment would be made, what level that payment was um, and the impact over kind of time. So over a few weeks, 
did it impact um, more or less in that time? Um, and which out of the treatments uh, had the uh, most effect? So obviously payment is one thing and is obviously I'm not saying that's not useful and very important. But actually, the contact thing was almost as important for us. Yeah. Um, it's about getting people to engage in it when they are having difficulty. So the contact was important for us well as well. So um, when we had a reference system, basically, so when somebody made a phone call to us or emailed us, and we knew they'd been sent a letter um, or, or a text message, um, we could record that they had contacted us and by what method. And then um, we do keep notes, obviously, of what um, the outcomes of some of those recordings, uh, sorry, not recording, some of those conversations are or, or emails um, are. So then we can understand, well, what are people contacting us about? Has it prompted a discussion that's led to something? Is it something that has led to a payment or setting up a, um, a different way to pay? Um, but whatever it is, we always, there's sort of a general assumption um, that if people do make contact, that is still beneficial than making no contact. So we 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 encourage that. So we, we could measure that to a certain degree. And again, I think that's something that we can develop in the future and in, um, in further trials and how we do things generally so that we can more easily sort of count that and see the benefits from that. Um, and then the um, obviously we could understand how many people filled out the web forms, what they were saying, uh, what, what support they were asking for. And um, our other measure was about how many people went to our new money and what sort of support and advice they got from that and what difference that made. So we did spend a bit of time coming up with how that would work, how we would identify who the people were who'd contacted us, who were in the trial and not in the trial, and what um, what we would measure that on. Um, so that was quite difficult because that was quite new for us, um, particularly following in, you know the the process, who who came in and who what what the result was for us. Um, again, that that was a difficulty in terms of results for us about what came out and how people responded to the messages and we didn't use those measures very much in the end uh, but they were in place and we had spent some time thinking about them and embedding them in sort of what our new money measures um, and what is important to understand from the interventions with them or the discussions they've had with people so they were kind of the key areas that we looked at in terms of how do we measure the results from this? How do we understand what impact this has had? And it did take some time to think about them and to plan them and to get the data in the right place and to be able to follow, you know, individuals who'd made contact and to be able to record that and to be able to pull that out. And then obviously making sure that that sensitive data is not, um, that make sure that sensitive data is, um, doesn't identify individuals or households. Really important point, isn't it? And it's it's identifying that causality between people who are in the trial and then what they go on to do. Mm. And exactly as you say, it's not just about the payment levels, that's important, but you're looking at this wider outcomes and and wider sort of measures. So yeah, that that would have been a complicated thing to do. But I guess you've got those measures in place for when you 
go again with different groups groups yeah. locally and I think it's really important to do that and I think that has been a learning for us as well that has mm. prompted us to have lots of conversations about well how do we measure this and what could we do and does our system allow us to do this and you know how can we share this information across services and should we share this information you know it's all of those kind of conversations that have taken quite a bit took a bit of time to do but actually I think in the end has kind of shifted our mindset about what we should be doing in the future and could be doing if we do um, trials or, or, or you know implement this as business as usual. So what were the results? So <laughs> Well, um, interesting results, I would say. So we um, on the SMS, on the text message, so the first RCT, um, very different for council tax and housing, actually. So um, overall, the, um, the messages did speed up payment in the short term. Um, and our second um, SMS provided the highest income um uh, after week one so the supportive message actually did that um however the people in sms who took who received sms one were more likely to make a payment so it's kind of good good on both sides on that um they didn't actually increase the payment in the longer term so it didn't mean people paid more it just made they made it meant that people paid us more quickly so if they'd maybe oh, gone okay. on and received a summons, they probably may have paid the same amount or at the same level, but the money came in more quickly. Mm. Um, um, yeah, so they the people people who would normally pay just paid us earlier. Um, and um, so essentially those in SMS1 were four and a half times more likely to make a payment before the statutory reminder than the control um, and 5.2% more likely to clear their outstanding balance than the control. Um, residents in SMS 2 were 4.1% more, more likely to make a payment and 4.9% more likely to have cleared their balance. So they'd both had a positive impact in council tax in terms of payment. Um, after the kind of first week, the payments converged, uh, converged. So really the impact was in that first week and less so within the other weeks. So um, was it, sorry, Katie, was it that yeah. you would get the text message once and then in that first week people were making an action? Yes. And then would they get it again? No, they just no. get it the once. Yeah. So it wasn't that. So I guess what it's proved there is that if you get the text message and it's a call to action, you do it quickly in that first week exactly. rather than I've got the text message I'll do something about that next month like it yes. is speeding it up yes all right yeah. that's interesting yeah so it yeah it's having a, a, a sort of an, an immediate effect I suppose yeah. on people's behavior and then we're, we're also actually looking at well, on what days that may you know is it a day after or a few days after and uh, we're still yeah. looking at that um, yeah. because we think that might be important as well um, in terms of housing and the text message and payment, um, it actually had a detriment, very big detrimental effect on people mm. paying. So um, the first, the SMS one, we collected 31% less money after three weeks. 
So it was people are less likely to pay us um, an SMS to 30 percent, 32 percent, sorry, less money after three weeks. And they're significant results, um, statistically significant. So actually, it was very interesting from the fact that. People were getting this message and it impacted that people would pay their council tax, but they are less likely to pay their housing benefit. And we've spent a bit of time thinking about why that might be the case. And, you know, it's quite unusual and it's quite different. Um, and some of the things we've thought about are probably this relationship that we have with people. If they're getting a different, slightly different text message to what they normally do, if they normally have conversations with people and deal with it that way, they might be thinking, well, what on earth is this text message? I don't want to do anything. I'm already having a conversation or I'm going to have a conversation. Um, but it's quite interesting that the, 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 there is a big difference between those two areas. Um, in terms of contact rates, because obviously, again, it wasn't just about payment, it was getting people to contact us. Um, it did have a positive impact, so sort of 5.8% overall increase in people contacting us from when they were sent a text message. Um, and slight differences between SMS 1 and 2, but not really that much of a difference. Um, slightly higher in the support letter. So I think it's 4.1% on that one and 3.4 on SMS 1. And again, the contact was more likely to be in the first week. So it was a more of an immediate response. Um, yeah, and then some people did fill out our web forms, but not very many at all. <laughs> it was sort of 8, 9%. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so and people were saying different reasons as to why why ha they had filled those out. So in council tax, it was more about having other debts and reduced working hours and job job difficulties, unexpected unexpected expenses. And in housing, people were saying um, they may have more they may have payday loans or council tax debts or um, they are trying to decide between kind of money, fuel, credit cards and where they spend their money. So those results weren't significant, but they were they are of interest to us because we can understand more about people's situations. Um, I think also that we found having looked at this information and sort of thought, well, why aren't people filling this this information in? Obviously, we know it's difficult for people to do that, but we would hope people would use that as a way to get support. But some research we've come across recently suggests that actually if you ask for information, people are less likely to provide it. What works better or might work better is actually suggesting what support is available and then people will access and think, oh, actually, that might be helpful to me and make the contact that way and engage that way. And then once they've made that engagement, then you can kind of talk more widely about their situation and what would be helpful for them. So that that's been an interesting one. I'm glad we did it, um, but I think it's probably one that we might need to refine if we were going to use it in the future. Yeah. Um, so that was our city one. On our city two, which was the letters, um, the mid level arrears. Um, so the the payment letter did increase payment significantly so um 
there was a 530% increase in payment after four weeks from um, that letter going out. Um, and it slightly increased the contact rates that people um, were contacting the council, not by a huge amount, but enough to make it useful for us um, and them. And then the support letter um, did increase contact rates to the council compared to the control, um, but the payment was not significantly different to the control group. So um, for us, that's obviously interesting. Um, our, the first one does help with payment and does help with contacts. And the, con the second one does help with contact, but not, not at all with the payment part of it. Um, uh, so it was quite interesting. So um, yeah, there was about an 8% increase in people making contact with the council um, due to those letters going out, which, which is quite reasonable, quite good. And then we also looked at, well, why were they contacting us? What did we you know, do with that? Um, some of it was they wanting to make payments um, and that was slightly higher in council tax than housing. Some were wanting to set up direct debits and some were talking about just, you know, obtaining a rear summary. So understanding their position, basically, and then what they could do about it. But again, like we've said, it is about having that engagement and talking to us and then working that through. So um, that, that was a really important part of it. So, yeah, interesting results for the second letter as well. Um, we also found that different amounts of people paid in full and didn't pay in full. So actually, most people who contacted, who, who made a payment, <clears throat> paid in full. Um, it was sort of 80 to 100 percent, which is quite interesting as well. So those who could pay, maybe it was just a prompt, another prompt for them to pay. So it wasn't necessarily an issue that they couldn't pay. It was just they had forgotten or something else had happened or whatever that may be. Um, yeah, so so they're the kind of key results that had come out of the trial. Um, and they are really useful to us, really, really interesting and useful that we've kind of dug into deeper since we've got them. So you've got all, yeah, you start off all that rich learning and insights around what was driving or not driving in this in this case, this behaviour of early engagement with the council on that debt journey. Um, you've trialled two different separate interventions and then you've got, again, a real rich level of results mm. across both of those trials. Some some really interesting, some unexpected. Um, and you've also got, as well as those payments going up, you've got more of a richer understanding of what people are contacting you for and have encouraged people eight percent increase um with one of the letters to get more people in touch with you which is that the outcome that you wanted as a council yeah. as well as the 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 income going up so excellent projects I'm, I'm interested to see how you're going to take this forward what are the next steps with all of that learning yeah then it has been a lot of learning not only in managing the project and you know, developing it, designing it and delivering it, but also the results that will help us look at that. I mean, we're already <clears throat> using that to, you know, um, improve our administration processes. Like we said, we're looking at new tech for 
sending text messages and doing that more as an automated thing because we can see the benefit in that. Um, um, you know, we've looked into what what works on web forms and doesn't and how we can encourage people to do that and understanding the different relationship um, between people. So we are using that to actually think about other trials we could run. So we, we're currently looking at housing benefit overpayment and change of circumstances and using some of the learning from this in terms of encouraging people to engage with us. Um, to tell us about changing circumstances. We're also looking at how can we embed some of these things into our business as usual activity so that maybe some of the text messages or letters that we've used can become, you know, a regular part of what we do with people um, and as part of our process. And so long as we can do it, you know, efficiently and slickly um, and that we can manage contact rates from this, then then you know this is proven to us that this this can make an impact. Um, it may not be an absolutely huge impact, but it does make an impact, and it does um, you know what we wanted to do at the beginning, which was yes, look at our budget and ask people to pay, and it's really important we do that. Um, we have duty to do that apart from anything else, and to support service delivery but also to support our residents, um, which we know for lots of reasons, um, um, not only due to the COVID as well, but what's happening and all the things that are happening now about cost of living and things like that, you know, people are being squeezed. So this is, it's not an issue that's going to go away and it does impact people's lives. So um, we think even if it is a small impact, it is, it's worth doing and it's worth us spending the time to make sure and, and see what works with people. So we, we've been really pleased to do it. It has been hard work. It's taken us a while to get here, but I think what it's achieved and the learning we've got out of it will really help us to um, embed behavioural insight into the council more generally and to do it in other projects, which, like I said, we are already starting off. So really pleased that um, people have seen the value in that we can now use this in other circumstances. So to my final question, and we like to finish the podcast episodes with, with a question. So if you were in another council looking to implement a similar trial, what would be the three key learning points you'd want to share with that person who's listening to the podcast thinking cost of living, we really need to do some work to help our local residents in debt. What are your top three key learning points you'd hand over to them? Um, specifically on debt or on just running a trial? Um, both, either. Both, all <laughs> of the above. All of them, yes. Um, so I think in terms of running a trial, one thing that we learnt um, was to be really, um, to also think quite a lot about the administration and the practical delivery of the trial. So the day-to-day -day delivery, because the, the way we did it was quite manual. We didn't necessarily have the systems in place to do it and we were just trialling it and it was, you know, smallish cohorts and things. So um, ensuring that the people kind of, at the front um, line who were delivering this trial knew what they were doing and we tested it fully and um, that that worked well that that caused us a few little hiccups but we managed to get over them so I think not only spending time planning and designing the trial but actually you know the day-to-day -day delivery part is just as important as the kind of 
um, background planning of it. So, so really focus on that. Um, in terms of debt, generally, um, we found that you know although contact rate rates were were improved, um, it it's making sure that we don't think about debt in in one. Um, specific route so it is only about payment or it is only about support they're very interlinked and they're very interlinked with other things so being able to measure those links in a way that we are able to with you know data sharing and keeping people's privacy and things like that the more we can do on that to understand people's situation and give them the right support whether that be through letters or trials or phone calls or whatever it may be I think it I think my advice would just be to just try lots of different things. You don't necessarily need to run it as a randomized control trial. Just have a go, you know, develop something reasonably quickly, come up with some measures, use some good behavioral insight, uh, some, um, you know, learnings from what behavioral uh, science tells us and just have a go at testing different things on a small scale see what works for your area, your community, because they may vary across um, areas as well. So, yeah, I think re really just, you know, we know that this works. There's lots of examples of it working um, generally. Um, we can show it works um, within debt, but it doesn't have to be a big trial. You can do this as a more of a day to day thing and get more people to understand it. Um, and have a go, because in the end, if, even if it has a one percent increase, that is still a benefit to your residents. So it's worth it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for being with us today and sharing this really timely project um, that other councils will, will definitely be interested in, in learning more about. Thanks again for your time. Thanks again. So the full NERM report will be on our website um, at www.local.gov.uk. And if you search for behavioural insights uh, in the search box of the website, you, you, can, you can go to all of our reports. Um, it will also include the letters and the text messages that Katie mentioned. So you can look at those and see if you want to start to trial those in your local area as well. Um, please do share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And thank you very much for listening.